I believe that as you listen to the Word of God ministered to you today, that after you have heard the Word, you will notice the impact that the Word has made with your faith, because I believe your faith is going to become very well developed today in the Holy Spirit, because as you hear the Word, it's going to build the strength that you need to accomplish the things that God has called you to do. And I know that you have assignments and you have things on your heart that God has put there, and you're going to make a big impact in the earth for the glory of God. Absolutely. Amen. Now, before we jump into today's message, I would like to read a verse, a couple of verses to you as we will prepare our hearts to receive today's tithes and offerings. Now, Acts chapter 10, verse 1, it says, There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian regiment, a devout man, and one who feared God with all his household. So when you see the phrase in the New Testament, uh, when it says one who feared God, that would be what we would consider a proselyte. In other words, a Gentile who converted over to Judaism and has put his faith in Jehovah God. Now we know that Cornelius is going to uh, go through a remarkable experience of receiving a visitation from an angel and then out of that experience, uh, later having the Apostle Peter himself show up at his house, and Cornelius will become a Christian uh, convert. He and his whole household will become saved, washed with the blood of Jesus, and filled with the Spirit. Wow, powerful. But I want you to understand this man had some very interesting uh, qualities and very good characteristics about his life. So it says he was a devout man. We know that he was a centurion, so he had a job. He's working. He's a devout man. In other words, he wants to live godly. He understands the importance of trying to live for God, knowing that life is temporal and that we were destined for eternal uh, living. So he was one who feared God. That means he was a believer in Jehovah he, uh, with all his household who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. So I really believe that your walk with God has to be a package deal. And you really see that well developed in this, uh, uh, in this man's life. In other words, he's not just praying but he's working and praying, but he's not just natural minded. He's also uh, a person who's giving, he's giving. So he has the kingdom of God within his heart. He understands that he is blessed to be a blessing. So he's, he's a good working man. He's a good soldier. He is a giver. He's a man who prays. He loves God with all of his heart. And he has a vision. And in the vision, this is what it says. Your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God. Praise the Lord. So that's what the angel told him. Cornelius, your prayers and your giving have come up as a memorial before God. In other words, you have built something up. You have laid something up in heaven. And you have you have sowed and invested so much into it, you have actually built a memorial. And, you know, the Lord is coming to reward him for that. This is not accidental. 
or luck or just random chance that he somehow ends up becoming known as what we would consider to be the first Gentile convert to Christianity. Praise God. The first outsider, the first non-Jewish person openly receiving the Lord Jesus Christ as his Savior, and he and his whole household getting saved. Amazing what the Lord is up to here. My friends, God does notice a generous giver. That really does touch the heart of God. And I believe that God wants every area of your life blessed, where you're moving forward in the full program of God's calling, destiny, and blessing for your life. So your heart needs to be open to the Lord in the area of giving. Praise the Lord. Amen. Now today, we are going to bring the tithes and the offerings into the storehouse of God. And as you do, God has plans for you. I tell you what, I think there's an anointing for something today, and I want to share it a little bit later in the message, but an anointing for you as a kingdom giver to be blessed and empowered by God to do something where you really do build a memorial in heaven. Praise the Lord. You, you do something in the earth that's recognized in heaven, and it lasts forever. That's not an understatement. It lasts for all eternity. Praise God. Don't ever undervalue or underestimate the things that you do down here for the kingdom of God. Everything is noted. I'm telling you what, the angels are really, really good record keepers and accountants. Praise God. So we're going to bring the tithes and offerings into the storehouse of God so that the gospel can be preached around the world. Praise God. And so that God's blessing will be mighty in your life. Praise the Lord. Now, if you want to mail in your tithes and offerings, and you prefer to send them in by mail, please send them to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 3456, Mooresville, North Carolina, our zip code 28117. If you want to bring them in online, you can do so right now. Please go to the ministry website, stephenbrooks.org. There is a link on the homepage called Tithes and Offerings, Sow and Reap. So go there right now and honor the Lord with your tithes and offerings because I believe a memorial is being established for you. That something God's going to bring you into something. I want to talk about it a little bit later. I really feel a rhema word on a certain scripture I want to share with you. So you need to be involved uh, in things that God opens the door for you to be involved in. It's amazing because uh, we're not just living for this life. We're going to enjoy this life. We're going to live all out for the Lord. But in essence, in a sense, you are designed by God to live for eternity. Okay, so keep that in mind. We're just passing through. Wow, I, I'm just getting investors in the kingdom. I really believe that kingdom investing uh, is the greatest return that we could ever receive. And I know some banks, uh, not many, but there are a few banks out there that even say they can give you a return of up to 12%. That's, that's pretty good. But Jesus offers the 30, 60, 100-fold return. And when you're, when you're talking about a hundredfold return, uh, you know, that's not just, you know, double. No, that's a, that 100 times coming back. I really believe that we need to consider first and foremost kingdom investing. Praise the Lord. I think we need to uh, really 
push further into this. I believe there's unlimited potential in God's ability to bless his people. That's you. Glory to God. And I believe that wisdom is flowing into you from heaven to achieve what God has called you to do and to be a wise investor. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Very, very exciting times that we are living in when kingdom plans are being accelerated and God is moving quickly to accomplish what he not only wants to do, but what he must do. Praise God. Because you know, when you look at the seven feasts of Israel, those can also be paralleled with the seven church ages listed with the seven churches in the book of Revelation. But my friends, the seven feasts are also prophetic maps for the church, prophetic ages as well. And, uh, you know, for example, when you have the feast of Pentecost and you're, you're already moving through the majority of the feast, when you get up to Pentecost, when you get to the uh, uh, feast of Pentecost that represented in the church age, the pouring out of the Holy spirit, the outpouring of the Holy spirit. And so, you know, we still, as a church, I'm talking about as a global church, we have still not yet gotten to the last and final feast known as tabernacles or uh, some call it the feast of the ingathering. But this is when the uh, former rain and the latter rain both come. You get, you get everything at the same time. In other words, I believe what happened in Acts chapter two, or in essence, in the book of Acts, the birth of the church, the Pentecostal experience, the feast of Pentecost, I believe as glorious that as that was so glorious. In fact, that Peter could walk around under the anointing. And when he was under that anointing, if you got within shadow proximity of Peter, you could get healed. You know what? That's a very strong anointing. Well, I believe as glorious as, as that was, there is coming the latter rain where we get the former and the latter both all at the same time. And we move from Pentecost and we move past trumpets and so forth. And we come into the fullness of tabernacles. I, I really do believe there is a lot of scriptural evidence for an end time harvest of souls. I don't know how many it's going to be, but I know it's going to be unparalleled, unprecedented, unlike anything the church uh, has ever seen in the earth before. And this is for the last days. This is what we're coming into. So my friends, you need to be flowing towards that. You need to be walking in the knowledge of that because there are some things God wants to do. There's also some things God is going to do. Praise God. And in order to be operating in this, I really believe that we need to invest into the kingdom. I believe we're going to see maximum returns. I believe we're going to see uh, I, I won't say net ripping boat sinking returns because I believe the nets are going to hold and I believe the boats will be sustained, but we're going to see harvest, uh, unlike anything that's ever been witnessed before. And then the end shall come. Then the end shall come and we get to say, bye-bye the planet earth. We're leaving. Praise God. Pray. Now you'll be able to come back eventually with a glorified body, with your new suit, superhuman ability. You'll be able to come back, but we will wrap things up. The Lord will uh, close out the dispensation of grace and uh, things will uh, change dramatically. We're not there yet. We've still got a lot to do, but my friends, it's not too far away. We are moving into the last of the last days. And you need to be aware of that. You need to be living all out for the Lord, endeavoring to live a life that should the Lord come today, 
you're ready to go. I'm not saying he's doing that, but I'm saying, should he? And you should be prepared in a sense that if he were, you were ready. Should he? You're ready to go. Praise God. Mm -mm. Pastor Stephen, I want to be left behind. I want to go through the great tribulation. I'm ready to tribulate. You know, a lot of people say that they have no clue of the horrors of what the last three and a half years of the great tribulation are going to be like. I, I know the first three and a half years of the tribulation in a sense is more of like a false peace, but then it's broken at the midway point, and, and the last half is nothing uh, you could even imagine you would want to endure. It is so uh, horrible. It is literally where the wrath of God is poured out upon the earth. And the Apostle Paul said quite clearly, we are not appointed for wrath, not, not, not God's people. No, mm -mm. but my friends, um, it is a horrible place and a horrible time. Nowhere you want to be. And, uh, you will not be around this to experience that. I know there's some people that say they want to go through it. They want to stick around and go through it. They don't know what they're talking about. No, this is a demonic horror. This is when the wrath of God is released. Demons will be manifested walking around. Satan will be cast down very, very angry. Uh, so this is a horrible time, and uh, we will escape that by the grace of God. Hallelujah. Well, I'm not really teaching on the catching away of the church today. I'm not really teaching on eschatology, but I am saying that you should be an investor in the kingdom of God, tithing, sowing seed, building up an inheritance that can never be corrupted or lost or stolen or misplaced. Praise the Lord praise God. Father, bless your people as they are bringing the tithes and offerings into the storehouse. Bless them. Bless them, O God. Let them have plenty. Let them literally be in the overflow financially so that all their needs are covered and they can just sow and sow and give. And in a sense, Father, invest, invest into the kingdom and harvest coming back, harvest coming back. We thank you, Father God. We give you praise. We give you praise today. You're really up to good things, and you're releasing your wisdom, your plans, your ideas into the hearts of your people now to prosper in unparalleled ways for the sake of the kingdom expansion, for the sake of promoting the gospel around the world. Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you. We don't want anybody to live and die without having heard the gospel, without having had the opportunity to have heard it, and given the option to receive or decline. Father, we thank you that many are going to receive, and we just give you the praise. We thank you for empowering us to send the gospel around the world. We give you praise. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. And we all say, Amen. I tell you, your assignment is very, very important in the Lord. What He has called you to do is very, very important. Praise God. Well, today, I want to share a little bit about the, the scriptural basis and the need for us to walk in the overflow. I believe that we should be so filled up with God that there is an overflow coming out, filled up with the Spirit, filled up with the joy of the Lord, filled up with the Word of God. And I believe even financially that God wants there to be an overflow that we are walking in so that we can be a blessing everywhere we go. So I want to read a few verses to you today. As you listen to these verses, I, I'm going to let the Word speak for itself. As 
you listen to what God said, watch what's going to happen to your faith. By the end of this message today, your faith is going to be very, very strong, very, very strong. And to do what God has called you to do and to walk in the blessing that God has prepared for you. Praise the Lord. Now, Proverbs 10:22 says, "The blessing of the Lord makes one rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. The blessing of the Lord. Are you ready today to get into the overflow of the blessing? Lift up your hands. Heavenly Father, we ask that as we go into your word that your word would receive full entrance into our hearts and correct any wrong thinking, correct even any wrong theology or any wrong doctrine. Father, let your word wash our minds like soap and warm water washes our body. Let your word come and wash our minds and clear up and clean up our thinking. We give you praise. We give you praise. We thank you for your power and your Holy Spirit working in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. So Proverbs 10:22, the blessing of the Lord makes makes rich. Praise God. Hallelujah. I believe anything that God gives to you. I'm talking about when it comes from the Lord. I, I I don't believe you have to apologize for that. I don't believe that you have to apologize for God healing you. Well, I didn't mean for it to happen. I I guess God just decided to heal me, but it's not really my fault. No, no, you don't have to apologize for that. You actually you actually give God praise for it. You give him the credit for it. You actually tell people, hey, God healed me, whether it was cancer or lupus or lung disease or heart disease or whatever the situation may have been, or God, uh, uh, you know, healing your back or whatever the case is. You don't apologize for that. No, but there's other things that God would do in your life where the world says, oh, that that's not, that's not good. You, you shouldn't accept that. And we're actually made to feel ashamed of the blessings of God. But you know what? When you get into the Word of God, you realize what the truth is, and the truth helps straighten out your thinking so that you can agree in harmony with the Scriptures. So the blessing of the Lord, not not the empowerment of the devil, the blessing of the Lord makes one rich. Now, I know there's people in the world they have gotten wealth unlawfully. A lot of people have done a lot of shady things, and, and they have money. Uh, and we're not saying that's the blessing. But I'm saying that God can bless you and that you can follow the scriptures and live a good life and uh, work a good job, whatever that might be, and that God can just raise you up. You don't have to cheat, lie, steal, do all kinds of backroom deals and shady things that are, that are um, you know, against the laws or the rules or the IRS or stuff like that. No, you can play it straight. You can dot every T or actually dot every I, cross every T and do everything by the book and still uh, come out ahead because God's blessing you and you can have overflow and plenty left over. And that's what God wants to carry you into. So God said that this is in the Bible. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich. So what happens sometimes is because of maybe, um, you know, uh, the way the culture is or the way people think. And a lot of people are, are even Christians. They are, they are fashioned and they're theology and their thoughts are formed not from the Word of God, but from news and TV and what uh, what the culture of the nation might be or something like that. And so that maybe if something is in vogue, okay, it's cool. Oh, now it's not in vogue. Now it's out of style. Okay, it's not. Oh, we need to let it go back off of it. 
But I believe when it comes to the promises of God, uh, whether it's healing, salvation, look, you don't have to be ashamed for being a Christian. I, I remember when I was um, in junior high school, I was in eighth grade. I had to go to ba- uh, basketball practice, uh, you know, in the afternoons after school was out. So I would go to basketball practice. But on Wednesday, uh, I knew I couldn't go to basketball practice because I had to go to church uh, that night. We had church that evening and, you know, practice would run late and uh, then I wouldn't be able to get home in time and then I wouldn't make it to church on time. So I remember that I, I was very embarrassed of my Christian faith because none of my friends were Christians. So they're all going to basketball practice. And I, you know, they all like, uh, this is eighth grade. They all like the curse. They all like to talk uh, dirty. Uh, And I, I don't, I don't even know if there was a Christian in the entire class that I belonged to. It seemed like everybody was just a a bunch of sinners. And so, you know, all my friends, uh, that's the way they were. And so you're under peer pressure as a teenager and is very, very difficult, especially uh, when the church that you belong to, it's not like this is a vibrant on fire church. You know, we're just trying to hold on, hold on the salvation. And so nevertheless, uh, I had to go tell my junior high coach that I couldn't come to practice. And so um, very, very sheepishly, uh, very, uh, really cowardly, I went up to him and, you know, I made sure there was none of my friends around. And I said, "Um, Coach, um, I'm not going to be able to make it to practice uh, Wednesday evening. He goes, how come? You know, real loud. You know, I said, well, I've got to go to church. And I said it like in a way, like almost like it was like, I've got leprosy or, you know, I I have, I've been struck by a plague. Please don't let anybody know. And he said, son. Don't ever be ashamed of your religion. And I felt, I felt so embarrassed because I was, I was ashamed. I was embarrassed of what my friends would think. And, uh, you know, that, you know, I'm looking back on that, you know, what, well over 30 years. And I still remember that. Why? Cause that stood out to me that if it's truth and it's biblical, don't ever back off of that or feel like you've got to apologize. You don't have to apologize for being a Christian. You don't have to apologize because you believe in tongues you know, our, our vice president, uh, Mike Prince, uh, Mike Pence believes in prayer. And so he was mocked by Christian celebrities that they look at him like here's the, as being some kind of a nut job, because he's a man that actually believe that when you pray, there's actually a God out there who hears and somehow answers you. And they were just like, that's so silly. And you know what? All of those people mocking him are lost in their sins. And if they don't receive Christ, they will die and they will be lost for all eternity and go to hell. And so, you know what? They tried to put pressure and they tried to make uh, the Christians look like a bunch of crazy people and stuff like that. But thank God for our vice president. Thank God for our president, men that believe in prayer, men that trust God. And you know what? you got to hold on to the truth. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So the blessing of the Lord makes one rich. Oh, Pastor Stephen. Oh, we shouldn't say that. We shouldn't say the word rich. Maybe we should just say the word uh, we're doing okay. Well, that's not what the Bible says. And we shouldn't apologize for scriptures. We shouldn't be ashamed of what God said. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich. 
Hallelujah. And he adds no sorrow with it. So I believe that as we look at a few scriptures today, that your faith will be strong and that you will realize that God wants to bless you. It is the plan of God to bless you and that you just walk with the Lord and he'll lift you up. Praise God. You know, Jesus said when, when he was talking about riches, he said, it's hard to enter into the kingdom of God for those who trust in riches. Okay. So the Lord doesn't have a problem uh, at all with you having wealth in riches. He just doesn't want you to be covetous. He doesn't want you to trust in wealth or riches. He wants you to trust in him, but he doesn't mind giving it to you. Praise the Lord. Why? Because we need it. We need it to do what God has called us to do. And not only that, if it were wrong, why would he give it to you? The blessing of the Lord makes one rich. If it's wrong to be rich, then why does God give a blessing that actually makes you rich? Praise God. Well, there's a lot of um, people, even in the church, that think it's wrong to be rich. They think it's wrong for uh, people to have extra money and that, you know, nobody should have anything extra. We should just all be on the same level. We should have a system of uh, socialism where it's just all equally distributed and it's all spread apart. Well, somebody needs to tell God if they believe that, that there, need, there shouldn't be a first and a second and a third heaven. There's different levels of heaven. Paul said he was caught up to the third heaven and the third heaven is very different from the first heaven. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Oh, I tell you what. Uh, anytime you look into some of these uh, worldly philosophies, begin to examine them in the light of the, uh, of the Word of God, those philosophies fall apart. They cannot hold up. So, my friends, uh, there is distinction in everything. Praise the Lord. So, we need to stick with the Word. The Lord wants to make people wealthy so that they can, they, so they can walk in that blessing and be in the overflow and see the gospel preached. Praise God. Uh, Genesis chapter 12, 1 through 2. Now, the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house to a land I will show you. I will make you a great nation. And of course, that went on to become the nation of Israel. I will bless you. Now, what does it mean to bless? Because it says the blessing of the Lord makes one rich. And now God's telling Abraham, I will bless you. Bless in the Hebrew means empower to prosper. It's God empowering you to prosper. Mm. And you need that. That's what the blessing will do. You want the blessing of the Lord on your life. Everything will begin to flourish. Everything. I remember seeing pictures one time of a revival that took place down in South America, a certain nation, and this was like a rural agricultural society, small uh, village, and they had revival. They began to seek the Lord, and the Holy Spirit was poured out, and everybody's getting saved, and people getting filled with the Holy Spirit, and all the locals are getting saved, and, and these are all first-generation Christians that have never heard the gospel before. Everybody's coming to the Lord, full-blown revival, and as they just turned their hearts to the Lord and forsook idolatry and sin and heathenism and paganism, God began to bless them, and even in such a way that their vegetables 
their crops began to just flourish and prosper. I, I saw pictures of tomatoes uh, this big and pictures of watermelons so big you have to you have to like have a couple people pick them up and everything was blessed. The corn, the corn was huge. Um, uh, uh, just everything, a phenomenal blessing of the Lord on everything. And of course, if the crops are doing that well, that means God's also do, doing something to keep all the little bugs in check that would normally try to eat it all up. Well, they're not eating anything. Everything's profusely growing abundantly. So we're talking phenomenal harvest. And so, you know, this is the blessing. This is the blessing working, even where your crops are producing gigantically, tremendously. So God told Abraham, I will bless you. I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. Well, when you are blessed, when you are empowered to prosper, what happens is you, you are taken by that power over into the overflow and out of the overflow. Now you are able to be a blessing to others. So in a sense, you see that the blessing has a purpose. It is for your own empowerment, but as you are empowered, now you move into overflow and now you are able to be a blessing into the lives of others. So it's, it's for you, but it extends out beyond you. It radiates beyond you because that's what the blessing will do. And so just the very next chapter, Genesis chapter 13, verse two says, Abram was very rich. Oh, pastor Stephen, no Christian, no man of God, no woman of God, no child of God should have any kind of wealth. Just, just let the word defend itself. I believe that the word of God is like a lion. It's able to take care of itself. I know that atheists and agnostics have tried to destroy Bibles and kings and pharaohs have tried to burn the scriptures, but you know what? They're all gone and it's still here. It's still here. Voltaire, the famous atheist from France said, oh, the Bible will be gone in just a few more years. Nobody will be reading it. And you know what? He's dead and he's gone. And out of his very house, his house after he died was purchased by a Bible printing company and millions and millions of Bibles have been printed out of his home and he's now dead and gone. And the Bible's still here and millions and millions and millions, even out of his own house have been printed, much less all the other printing houses of the world. Praise God. So the word of God is able to defend itself and it has a voice. It's like a lion and it's able to take care of itself. So when we read the word of God, we should just accept it and accept the truth. Abram was very rich. Well, how did he get rich? Through the blessing, through the blessing. Well, Pastor Stephen, he should just give all that away. He should apologize for all that wealth. You don't have to apologize for anything that God has given you. You don't have to apologize for your salvation. You don't have to go around with a sack over your head because you believe in talking in tongues. No, hallelujah. Hallelujah. You don't have to apologize that God healed your body. You don't have to hide that underneath the bed. No, tell people about it. Praise God. You don't have to apologize for God blessing you financially either. Glory to the Lord. Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver, and in gold. Hmm. Pastor Stephen, he shouldn't have any of that gold. Well, you'll have to take that up with the Lord. It's the Lord blessing him, and it's the Lord, the one that's the source of where it's all coming from. Praise God. Genesis 26, let's take a look at the life of his son. Then Isaac sowed in that land. Remember when Isaac was sowing in the land, he's actually sowing in a time of 
famine. So the Philistines must have looked at Isaac and thought, this guy's a total nut. He's throwing his seed away. But see, God had directed him to stay right where he's at. Don't go to Egypt. You stay right where you're at. So he realized, well, if I'm supposed to stay here, I'm, I must be supposed to sow here because I'm not here for nothing. And so he got busy sowing. And it says he reaped in the same year a hundredfold in the time of harvest when nobody else can even get their crops to grow. He's not only having success, he's having bumper harvest. Hmm. How about that? And, and it says, and the Lord blessed him. See, it's the Lord. It's the Lord doing that for Isaac. Isaac shouldn't have all that, Pastor Stephen. No, that's the Lord doing that for Isaac. The Lord blessed him. The man began to prosper and continued prospering until he became very prosperous. Let the word of God wash your thinking. Okay. This is Isaac. The man began to prosper and continued prospering until he became very prosperous. May that be said about you. Praise the Lord. For he had possessions of flocks and possessions of herds and a great number of servants. So the Philistines envied him. Genesis 26, 12 through 14. Oh, Pastor Stephen, I don't know. I, I don't know if I want people being jealous of me. I don't know if I want people to envy me. Well, that's that that will happen. That that's what there's persecution. There's pe people that say that say you shouldn't have that. You should give it all away. But you know what? They'll never give anything away. The ones that are saying give it all away, don't give anything away. It's it's very it's very interesting. See, look into these philosophies. You'll find they're all lies. You'll find that the word of God's the only thing that's true. The stuff that these other people say, it doesn't even make any sense. Give it all away and what? Live on the street? You know, they tell you to give it all away, but they don't give anything away. Mm, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So Isaac was blessed. He was blessed. What does that mean? He was empowered to prosper. Who's the person empowering him to prosper? God is. God wants to do the same for you. Now let's look at the life of Jacob. Jacob, of course, his name later changed to Israel, the name which the nation is now known by today. It says in Genesis 28, 22, and this stone, which I have set as a pillar shall be God's house. And all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. I will surely give a tithe to you. So Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel, said, Hey, Lord, I'm locking in with you. I like you. I'm hooking up with you and I'm going to become a tither. And his grandfather, where, where, where's, where's Israel getting this tithing stuff? I believe he got it from his father. And I believe he got it from his granddaddy, Abraham, because Abraham was a tither and he gave tithe to Melchizedek. The tithe goes up. He tithed to someone greater than him. In other words, Abraham's tithing to his spiritual father. He's tithing to his man of God. So the tithe was going up. So when you, when you see these men blessed, you see God empowering them to prosper. These men are tithers. These men are givers. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Genesis 30, 43. Thus the man Jacob became exceedingly prosperous. This is uh, Jacob who became Israel. He became exceedingly prosperous not just having a little bit of extra. We're talking about words here that are now describing 
uh, continuing prosperity, very prosperous, exceedingly prosperous. We're getting over here where we're having to have, have extra words. We can't just use like a word rich. It's like now it's words like very rich. It's not words just like prosperous. Now it's words like exceedingly prosperous. And this is God. This is God doing all of this. This is not the devil. This is God doing all of this. You do not have to apologize for God's prosperity in your life. Well, Pastor Stephen, not everybody agrees with that. Well, then they don't agree with the Bible. Who's right? Mm, praise the Lord. The Lord's right. Praise God. Do you want to offend God or do you want to just try to please everybody? Now, we want to try to be nice. We want to walk in wisdom. We don't ever want to be arrogant. You don't want to, you don't want to ever, ever flaunt wealth. You don't want to ever try to intimidate somebody because maybe you have the ability to pull some strings or, you know, you know, lord it over them. No, you don't ever, ever want to do that. But at the same time, when the Lord is blessing you, you know what? If you're persecuted, that's just what it is. Praise God. But you want to honor the Lord. You want to please the Lord and not be always so concerned about what people think about you. Praise God. Hallelujah. Because look, it doesn't matter if it's a new Kia, okay, or a new Chevy uh, Volt or whatever, or Chevette or whatever it is, you know, Let, let's go even lower. Let's, you know, if it is whatever the most inexpensive new car is, if you buy that car and it's $8,000 brand new car, you'll still have people get jealous that you got that car. Why? Because maybe they don't have one. Maybe they're riding the bicycle. But you know, whether it's, whether it's that or, or new $30,000 Camry or whatever it might be, you'll have people get upset about that. They'll say that's too much. They'll say that's excessive. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. But my friends go forth in the scriptures, go forth, go forth and walk in the light of God's word. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thus the man Jacob became exceedingly prosperous. See yourself becoming exceedingly prosperous as you serve God. Okay. He had large flocks, female and male servants and camels and donkeys. Oh, he had female and male servants. What is that? Oh, that means he's an employer. He's an employer. What does that mean? That means he has the ability to hire people. Mm, praise God. Abraham did too. Isaac did as well. And now Jacob's doing the same thing. The ability to hire people. Abraham had over 300 armed servants. Praise the Lord. Yes. The ability to hire. What are you doing? You're, you're extending the blessing. You're now offering someone a job. Now somebody can have a family and they can, they, they can have children and they can, they can raise their family because they have gainful employment, a place they can go to work and get a paycheck. And that's all because God's blessing you. Praise the Lord. Hmm. Hallelujah. If nobody's blessed, nobody's going to have a job. You have to be blessed to extend the job offer to somebody. You have to be blessed to do that. There has to be income, money coming in. There has to be business going on. Praise the Lord. It's good. And there are actually some people that look at it and say it's wrong. <laughs> my friend, my friend, stay with the scriptures. Now let's continue on with the life of David. And it says, indeed, I, King David, have taken much trouble to prepare for the house of the Lord, 100,000 talents of gold and 1 million talents of silver. Whoa, that's, that's some heavyweight numbers we're looking at here. 
And he said, and bronze and iron beyond measure, for it is so abundant. I have prepared timber and stone also. Uh, you may add to them. Moreover, there are workmen with you in abundance, work, uh, woodsmen and stone cutters and all types of skillful men for every kind of work of gold and silver and bronze and iron. There is no limit. First Chronicles 22, 14 through 16. Now let's talk just for a moment about David. And a lot of times people picture David playing a harp, uh, you know, nice little robe on, some slippers on, you know, sitting around in a clay hut. Let's talk about David just for a moment. Uh, this is his own personal, not national. This is his own personal contribution towards the items that are going to be used in the building, the construction of the temple that his son one day very soon was going to build. And David gave out of his personal belongings 100,000 talents of gold and 1 million talents of silver. All of his life as a warrior, he'd fought these battles, and then he goes into kingship. And he's conquering these heathen nations, and he's, he's taking spoil. Some of the spoil is allocated to the treasury of the the nation of Israel, okay? Other is his own personal allotment that he keeps. Well, I just want you to stop and think about how much money David contributed and set aside in gold and silver that were going to be used in the construction of the temple. And you know, those who have studied this in detail, because we have gold and we have silver, uh, we've, we've got all kinds of stuff. We have bronze and iron and things like that, even beyond measure. Okay, so those who have examined this closely have put David's contribution. David, now think of David, okay, playing the harp, nice little robe on with his little slippers, okay, his little leather sandals. David, the sweet psalmist of Israel, made a donation that day of his own finances into the treasury that's going to be used for the building of the temple. He made a donation of $89 billion. Hallelujah. Pastor Stephen, I'm going to, I'm going to, I don't agree with that. I'm going to, I'm going to get me a pen right now. And I'm going to write a letter to David and say, David, you shouldn't be giving that much money to the ministry. David, you should take all that money and you should just give it everywhere else. That's not right, David. You got that much money. You should give it to us. That's really what they're saying. Give it to us. Hmm. David gave a donation into the ministry of $89 billion in today's equivalent, gold and silver. Hmm. Don't, don't you know that in the newspapers of the day, there were critics probably writing their little bitty articles, so-and-so has given a donation to the ministry. We believe that was a total waste. He should have done this with it, done that with it. Ever notice the critics, they don't do anything except criticize. You, you don't ever see them giving. And if they, if they do, it's very little because they don't believe in prosperity, so they don't have much to do, so they can't make an impact. But my friends, David was a heavyweight giver. $89 billion donation. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thus David, the son of Jesse, reigned over all Israel. And the period that he reigned over Israel was 40 years. Seven years he reigned in Hebron, and 33 years he reigned in Jerusalem. So he died in a good old age, full of days and riches and honor. And Solomon, his son, reigned in his place. Pastor Stephen, I don't believe David should have had all that money. 
well, then you'd have to take that up with the Lord because the Lord's the one blessing him. The Lord is the one empowering him to prosper. I don't, I don't believe a prophet should have money like that. The scriptures clearly say that David was a prophet. I thought he was just a king. No, no the Bible says that he was a prophet. <laughs> yes, he was a king, but he was a prophet and a king. Mm, very interesting. Very, very interesting, isn't it? I'm just saying, let the scriptures uh, fashion your thinking. Let the, let the scriptures mold your belief system. Praise God. Let's move on to his son. All King Solomon's drinking vessels were gold. What if, what if mine were? What if all of my drinking vessels were gold? Well, they're, they're not. I mean, this is ceramic, okay? And I, I, I don't have any gold drinking vessels. I've used some, uh, some nice items before on my desk to hold the communion elements, but those were brass. But if somebody gave me some gold ones, I would certainly use gold, but it's, uh, it's brass. But uh, everything that Solomon had that they were using was pure gold. And it says, not one was silver, for this was accounted as nothing in the days of Solomon. I don't know how much silver is an ounce right now. I haven't checked uh, recently. Don't really have a, an interest in checking. But nevertheless, in his day, Solomon uh, had so much silver that it does, they don't even count it mainly because their great reserves were in gold. And all those silver today is probably about 16, 15, 16, maybe $17 an ounce, which is pretty good for a little bitty coin of silver. Uh, even in Solomon's day, they, they didn't even really deal with the silver because they had so much gold. So King Solomon surpassed all the kings of the earth in riches and wisdom. Praise the Lord. Very, very interesting. So, it is important for us to understand that Solomon inherited the majority of David's wealth, but that inheritance had a designated purpose. And at the same time, Solomon was able through wisdom to see a financial strength come into the nation beyond anything that it ever experienced before. And those who have examined economists who have examined the wealth of Solomon have determined that his personal wealth, get ready for this, because you you've maybe have never heard anything like this before. You know, we think about Bill Gates, and we think about Warren Buffett, and, you know, billionaires. You know, guys that are, you know, in their you know, like 80, $80 billion, which is amazing, especially when you consider the fact that, it, uh, that a, about a billion seconds ago, Jesus was walking on the planet. So a billion is a lot, okay? So, you know, when we look at men like Bill Gates, you know, 80, 90 billion dollars, what I'm about to tell you could be quite interesting. You need, you need to think about this just for a moment. But economists who have examined the personal wealth of Solomon based upon various scriptures that gave us insight into his wealth said most likely that his personal wealth was right around $2.1 trillion. That's trillion with the T. Glory to God. This, this is wealth that a lot of nations, even as sovereign nations, uh, don't even acquire. But he had that as an individual. Praise the Lord. And so I, I think it's interesting because Solomon fell away from the Lord. His heart drifted from the Lord. His, he got tangled up in paganism because of all these multiple wives. And Scripture forbidden him from doing that. God told him, don't do that. Don't have all these multiple wives. And also, don't go down to Egypt start buying those horses. 
and the Lord didn't want him around that Egyptian culture of sin. Well, you know, next thing you know, he's down there in Egypt buying horses and importing these uh, beautiful horses. And so that also was a violation of God's word and God's will. And he ends up just falling away from the Lord, even got into idolatry. You know, David had his problems and David had some very public embarrassing and humiliating sins, but David never bowed down before a statue or an idol. He never did that. Solomon did. He got in the full-blown idolatry, and that, that's why when you read the book of Ecclesiastes, it seems to be a little bit mournful. Well, that's because uh, that is the book that theologians believe that Solomon wrote after he came back to the Lord in repentance, and uh, you know, in light of everything he experienced, he, he wrote about that. But my friends, I think also when it comes to inheritance, because I think we should consider that a lot of people that are children that are adults, when they receive mega amounts of money from their parents, maybe their parents died and left them $5 billion. Usually those children do not have a heart for the Lord. And they take all that money and they, all they do is they consume it upon themselves. And sometimes they fight and they quarrel over it. Who's going to get this much and this much and so forth. And it's just a big mess. But I believe really that when it comes to inheritance, the majority of inheritance should be left to the ministry that your heart is attached to. Now, I also know that the word of God uh, in the book of Proverbs, I believe it's chapter 13, says, leave an inheritance. The righteous man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. So you can leave something for your children and something for your grandchildren. But nowhere in the Bible does it say you leave all of it for your children, especially for children that are not serving God, that have no interest in God, will uh have no interest in the kingdom of God or anything like that. There, there is no scriptural basis for giving all of your money to them. Praise the Lord. I believe that the best thing that you can do, remember, invest, invest, because one day you're going to leave this planet. I believe the best thing you can do with an inheritance, if you're leaving the earth, you're going on to your reward, is leave it for the ministry. Leave it for uh, the minister, or not, not the minister personally, but for the ministry that has made an impact in your life. That way, even after you're gone, that inheritance is still working. It's still empowering the gospel to be preached, and so you're continuing to build up, build up, build up for your reward in heaven. Praise God. Glory to the Lord. Now let's continue on. Uh, this is Second Chronicles 17. Now the Lord was with Jehoshaphat. Now we're looking at these various individuals, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, Solomon, and you see that God's blessed them. God's blessed them. God's blessed them with the wealth. Hallelujah. Stay close to the Lord. He'll keep pouring it out. Hallelujah. Now the Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he walked in the former ways of his father, David, he did not seek the Baals. He sought the God of his father and walked in his commandments and not according to the acts of Israel. Therefore, the Lord established his, uh, excuse me, established the kingdom in his hand and all Judah gave presents to Jehoshaphat and he had riches and honor in abundance. Pastor Stephen, that's not right that Jehoshaphat had, that he had all those riches. Well, that's, that's the Lord blessing him. If, if somebody doesn't agree with that, then they, they need to take that up with the Lord because the Lord's the one that's doing it. 
Woo, hallelujah, glory to God. It's the blessing of the Lord that makes you poor. No, it makes you rich. You don't need a blessing to be poor. What does the blessing mean? What does to be blessed mean? It means to be empowered, to prosper, to be empowered. You don't need to be empowered to become poor. Anybody can become poor, but you need to be empowered by who? By God to prosper. Praise God. And that's what that blessing will do. Hallelujah. And that blessing is working in your life as a believer. You are blessed in Christ. Let that blessing touch your life. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. But you have to agree with the scriptures. You have to agree with God's word. If you, if you don't agree with the ability and the desire for God to bless you, then in your heart, you will resist that. You will resist that and it will not come to you. You have to receive it by faith, the blessing of the Lord and let it work in your life. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So Jehoshaphat was blessed. Now here's another person, Hezekiah. Hezekiah had very great riches and honor. Now listen to that. Hezekiah had very great riches and honor. Pastor Stephen, I just don't think that's right. Well, let the word of God change your thinking. This is, this is obviously coming from the Lord. This is God doing this. Hezekiah had very great riches and honor. And he made himself treasuries for silver, for gold, for precious stones, for spices, for shields, and for all kinds of desirable items, storehouses for the harvest of grain, wine, and oil, and stalls for all kinds of livestock, and foals for flocks. Sounds to me like he's in the overflow. And actually, because he's walking right with the Lord, the blessing's coming on the whole nation. Moreover, he provided cities for himself and possessions of flocks and herds in abundance for God had given him very much property, not the devil. God did. I don't think he should own that much land. Well, that's the Lord doing that. Somebody would have to talk to the Lord, but who is a man to correct God? Who is a man to say, God, I don't think you should bless that person that much. Who is anybody to think they are somebody to correct God? Woo. Praise the Lord. For God had given him very much property. If God gives you property, you don't have to apologize for that property. You should thank God for it, and you should tell people, the Lord is the one that blessed me with this piece of land. The Lord is the one that blessed me with this beautiful piece of property. The Lord did it. Well, we don't think that's right. Well, that's just, that's just too bad. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because I'm certainly not giving it up. Just because you don't, just because you're jealous. Hmm? You, you look into it, you'll find out that the reason there's a lot of criticism is because really people are jealous. Oh, they, they, they would never say they would because they know jealousy is a sin. They know it's wrong to be jealous. They know it's wrong to be covetous. But really what's going on much of the time is they're jealous. They're actually burning with jealousy and they just wish they could have the same thing, but because they don't agree with it or because they're embarrassed of it or because they, they have not allowed the word to straighten out their thinking, there's a blockage. And so it's not coming to them. And so they're frustrated. And so they take their frustration out on those who are walking in the blessing, but just keep walk, just keep right on walking 
keep right on walking in the blessing and please God serve the Lord please God well Pastor Stephen I don't, I don't like to be persecuted well then get rid of your social media so you don't even see it look at it or hear it praise God just keep right on walking hallelujah you don't even pay any attention glory to God hallelujah now let's let's talk just for a moment about Uzziah I really have always liked King Uzziah. He had a great start. I think I like him so much is because he he clung to the Lord and he would get in such incredible situations where he was outnumbered as a king leading a, a nation that was inferior militarily to vastly superior armies and God would give Uzziah and his his small group victory over these incredible incredible uh, numbers one time he had a million man army come against him can you imagine that and they won <laughs> they, they beat they beat the gigantic army and so I always loved that part of him and later in his life uh, he made a mistake a very fatal mistake he got lifted up in pride it actually says in the scriptures when he became strong be, be, look be very careful be very careful when you have great strength because it says when he became strong, when he became strong, then, then his heart became lifted up in pride. And the moment that happened, he stepped beyond the boundaries that he was allotted. And he tried to get over into the priestly ministry. And you know, you couldn't do that. And he got, he got bit bad. Uh, but before that he was, he was on flying color. So if you know what, just stay humble, stay humble, always stay humble and you'll keep flying high praise the Lord. So listen to this about uh, King Uzziah. Now all the people of Judah took Uzziah who was 16 years old and made him king instead of his father Amaziah. He built Eloth and restored it to Judah and the king rested with his fathers. Uzziah was 16 years old when he became king and he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. He sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, the Lord made him prosper. The Lord made Uzziah prosper. Now, this tells you here also that prosperity is rooted in God. As long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. If you'll seek the Lord with all of your heart and be open to God making you wealthy, be open to God making you rich, just like he's done for so many other biblical saints, okay? He'll do the same thing for you. But you have to be open to receive that, and you have to also know that this is of God. This is not evil. This is not dirty. This is not sinful. Hmm. Why, why, do, why does the word use the word filthy rich when it comes to ministers having money, or Christians Christians in general having money. They don't even want to see a Christian business get blessed. Why do they say if you have money, you've got fi you're, you're filthy rich, like you're, it's filthy, it's dirty. No, it's righteously rich. Mm. Talk, God talk. Don't talk the way the world talks. To them, everything's dirty. Talk the way God talks. The blessing of the Lord will make you wealthy. The blessing of the Lord will make you rich. Pastor Stephen, I, I don't even know if we should read that scripture on TV. I, I don't know... If it's in the Bible, I'm ready to read it. Hallelujah. And I'm ready to stake my life on it, and I'm ready to live it. Hallelujah. Don't be embarrassed of anything uh, that God said. Proclaim it from the rooftops. Hallelujah. 
Glory to God. Hallelujah. So it was God who was directly causing Isaiah to prosper. God made him prosper. Not the devil. Okay. Not some old sinful uncle over there who had some uh, extra money. No, no, no. God, and it's going to be, it's going to work the same way for you. God's going to make you prosper. Just keep seeking the Lord. Keep seeking the Lord and open your heart to biblical truth. Don't let the news media set your doctrine. Hallelujah. Glory to the Lord. (laughs) I would actually encourage you to listen to the news as little as possible. And you'll find out that in, that in a sense that even if you turn it off, you'll still be just fine. You'll still be able to pray for the president, pray for the nation, pray for your leaders. You'll still be fine. A lot of that stuff will defile you. That news is all negative. It's all negative. It will not build you up and it will not increase your faith one bit. It will deflate you. It will aggravate you. It will upset your spirit. Most of it you don't even need to be listening to. Praise God. Be prosperity minded. Come on, be biblical minded. That means you're going to need to be prosperity minded. I want to say this. You need to be wealth minded. Oh, I'm going to go further. You need to be minded of being rich not just in Christ with spiritual blessings, but financially, so you can be in the overflow, and you can be one who's causing the gospel to be preached around the world, boldly, boldly doing it. Praise God. Let's go a little bit further. Praise God. Now, this is referring to Job. Uh, It says that Job's possessions were 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and a very large household, so that this man was the greatest of all the people of the East, Job 1.3. This is what some people do today. Job, you shouldn't have all that wealth. You've got too many camels. Now, Job, you need to equally distribute those camels to everybody, and you need to give everybody a camel. But you know what? Those are Job's camels. For people to do this and say, hey, you need to divide up your wealth, and we need to, you know what that is? That's covetous. You're coveting something that somebody else has. And the Bible says, you shall not covet another man's wife. You shall not covet that man's house. You shall not covet that man's animals. You shall not covet anything that he has. It's his, and it belongs to him, and you have no right to it. And the coveted is a sin, and it's wrong. And this coveting, this is a problem of a socialist mentality. Just, we'll take his. We'll take that person's. See, that person's got too much. That person shouldn't have that much. We should take some of that. Oh, you mean steal it? See, it's wrong. It's wrong. It belongs to that person. Always respect biblical boundaries. Praise God. Don't step over a boundary and take anything that doesn't belong to you. It'll bring a curse upon your life. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So Job was blessed. Those are his his camels. I I don't think he should have that many camels. No man, Pastor Stephen, needs that many cars. Well, you'll have to talk to the Lord about that because it's the Lord who made him the greatest person of the East. And you, we also know he's, he's, he's trading livestock, buying, selling, trading. This, This is the equivalent of a vast car dealership. Okay. But you know what? If Job wants to drive a camel, that's up to Job. He shouldn't drive a Mercedes Benz, Pastor Stephen. That's up to the devil. No, no, no. God made the camel. If he wants to drive a camel, and, and you know what? You, you want to uh, 
ride on a goat, that, that's okay. You have the right to ride on a goat. I, I don't know if the goat can support your weight, but that's between you and the goat. But if he wants to ride a camel, that's his camel. Leave him alone, then he ride his camel. Praise God. He shouldn't have 3,000 of them. Well, he's about to get a whole lot more. <laughs> Woo! Hallelujah. Job 42, verse 12. This is the latter part of Job's life after he's come through the testing. Now the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning. Remember, don't get jealous of Job. Don't get jealous of people that are blessed. Mm, come on, smile. Smile. Praise God. Say jealousy is a sin. Don't get jealous. Why? Well, because you're, you're destined to be standing in a place of blessing too. Do you really want a bunch of people jealous at you all the time? No. But then you need to be free from jealousy. Be free. Be happy. Be happy that the person is blessed, has a home, a car. Well, I, I didn't get, I, I, I don't have, well, don't, don't get jealous. Don't, don't get in the flesh. Be happy. Smile. Jealousy is a sin. It is a sin. Praise God. Much of the criticism, even in Christian circles, about others having things and, uh, you know, they've got too much or what, it's all jealousy. It's all rooted in the flesh. People are jealous. That's exactly what it is. And the truth be told, they wish they had it. And if they had it, they wouldn't care what you think. They, they, they'd gobble it up, run off with it. You'd never see them again. <laughs> Woo! Glory to God. Mm, 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 mm. Mm, praise the Lord. My daughter came home from, of course, she, she's already graduated from, you know, high school and so forth. But when she was in junior high, she came home one day and, uh, you know, she was upset because uh, in, in Bible class, the teacher, before all the young, impressionable students, the teacher ripped a preacher who had a nice home. And the preacher was in her own denomination. This, this is Southern Baptist uh, school, and she's a Southern Baptist lady, and she's ripping a Southern Baptist minister because he went out and bought a home, and, uh, you know, she just thought the home's too big. He shouldn't have a home that big. And, uh, you know, it's just sad. You know, the lady's name was Mrs. Love, and there's, there, I'm sure there's thousands of Mrs. Love's teaching around uh, the South. So you'll never know who this was, but Mrs. Love was not walking in love. That old preacher, that's not right that he's got a house that big. And telling all those kids, it's not right to have money like that. She wouldn't have a job if somebody didn't have money. Do we really want to be this poor that some of these Christians claim we should be? Then we'd all be broke. And none of us could even offer anybody a job. We'd all be sitting around poor and broke. And you know what? The devil would love it. He'd laugh his head off. He would be laughing in hilarious mockery that the Christians would be so stupid to think like that. Praise the Lord. And behave and act like that. But I thank God that that pastor has a nice home. Amen. I think he's a good man. He's doing a good job. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Pastor Stephen, he shouldn't have a house that big. He should have a house... That's more modest. Says who? And if the Lord's blessing him, if the Lord's blessing him, the Lord's blessing him, then I tell you what, you speak against that, you will destroy your destiny. You will, you will absolutely rip up and tear up your financial destiny. Praise God. Hallelujah. You know what? I'm preaching this message today, and I'm not really, 
I'm not taking any heat financially. I'm not getting any mails or, or, or any emails or phone calls. Pastor Stephen, you, you know what? We don't agree with you. You're a pros- uh, prosperity preacher, whatever. No, I'm not a prosperity preacher. I'm a Bible preacher. I'm not preaching this because I'm getting any heat. I'm just preaching this because it's the word. And I believe that we should cover uh, the scriptures and we should teach them and preach them uh, regardless of what's going on in culture or society. You know, there's a big backlash today. Don't preach about homosexuality. Don't preach about that, you know, because, ooh, you know, the world out there, if you preach against that, they'll come against you. Well, look, I believe we should preach the scriptures regardless if, if the culture has gone completely rotten, then we're supposed to be salt and light. We're not supposed to sit back and shut up and say nothing. No, that, that's when you're supposed to put the salt and the light out there. So that things, that's what salt does. It preserves so we don't go in the full-blown decay. And if we don't say anything, that's what causes uh, moral collapse within a society and within a culture. So we are bound, uh, obligated to, to preach the light of the truth. We need to tell people the truth. Hallelujah. And we need to present the truth in love, but we don't need to apologize for the truth or water it down just because pe- people don't agree with it. Hallelujah. It's the gospel. It's the power of the gospel that's able to save people from eternity of separation from God, lost in eternal flame. Look, hell is real. Hell is very, very real. Sinners need to know that. This is not some mythological place. It is real. And if a person rejects Christ and the love and the mercy of God, and they refuse salvation through Christ, they send themselves to that place of eternal torment. Wow, and it is real. It is very real. There are people there right now suffering. They'll never get out. And that's, the, that's one of the horrors of hell, the hopelessness. You'll never, ever get out of there. You're there for all eternity. It's over once you go there. Praise the Lord. Now, let's continue on. Let's go over to the New Testament a little bit. As you see, the theme continues that if you are blessed, you have the ability to be a blessing. Praise God. Now it came to pass afterward that he, Jesus, went through every city and village, preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him. And certain women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom had come seven demons, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod steward. Herod steward? You mean that person is working for Herod? Wow. I mean, Herod was loaded. Herod had a lot of money, probably had thousands of servants and stewards. So you have Mary, you have Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward. So he obviously got paid really well. And uh, Joanna is his, uh, Chusa's wife. And then you have Susanna and many others, many, take note of that, many others. But these three are listed because they're primary donors. Three, these three, and many others who provided for him, who provided for Jesus from their substance. Well, they're making good jobs. They're, they're making good money. They have good jobs. Money is poured in. God's blessing them. They are blessed. What does that mean? What does that mean? It means they are empowered to prosper, and they are prospering. What are they doing with it? They are using their extra, their overflow, and they are just funneling it in it uh, into the ministry of Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing? Wouldn't it be something if you would have been alive during that time? And you yourself can have been a personal supporter 
of the ministry of Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing? These people are giving into his ministry. You're going to put your tithe into the ministry of Jesus Christ. You're going to put your offerings into the ministry of Jesus Christ. Well, even today, Jesus is still receiving the tithe. Don't let anybody tell you he's not. Hebrews chapter 7, take your time, read slowly through Hebrews chapter 7. You'll see that Jesus, who is your high priest, is still receiving tithes today. Oh, when you bring your tithe and offering into the storehouse here, uh, you you think, well, I'm bringing it into the ministry of Stephen Brooks International. And, and you are, but in the same sense, you are putting it into the hand of Jesus. That's in the Bible. That's in the New Testament. Don't let anybody tell you that the book of Hebrews is not the New Testament. Well, Pastor Stephen, that tithing was under the law. Well, if it was under the law, why was Abraham tithing years, hundreds of years before the law was ever instituted that said, now you need to tithe? He was tithing when there was no law. Hmm. So was Israel. He was tithing when there was no law. Nobody told him to do it. God didn't say you have to do this to be blessed. He's already doing it. Hmm. Glory to God. Praise God. So you see here key financial donors contributing into the ministry of Jesus. That's why you need to be wealthy so that you can sow and support the gospel because Jesus is still saving people today. Hallelujah. We need to continue to be giving. Hallelujah. Glory to God. But a certain Samaritan as he journeyed came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Now let's talk about the good Samaritan just for a moment and set him on his own animal. So the good Samaritan who's doing some good works had his own animal, his own vehicle. You know what? You had to be wealthy back in those days to have your own animal to ride on. Most people walked. He had his own animal. He brought him to an end. Now this is the man that's been mugged and robbed and left for, for dead. He, he ministers to him with oil and wine. You have to have extra to do all these things. You have to have an overflow. To be in the overflow, you have to have wealth operating in your life, the blessing working in your life, oil and wine, his own animal. And now he brings him to an inn. He brings him to the hotel and took, uh, took care of him on the next day. When he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, take care of him. And whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. Could you put somebody up in a hotel right now? Could you help out with their medical bill right now, just like he did, helping with medical bills, has his own animal that he's using, he's got his own vehicle, so he's got gas, he's got insurance, he's got it all covered, okay, title, registration, everything good to go. He's got all that, and he's putting the guy up in a hotel. Could you do that? Pastor Stephen, I can't. Well, then you need to open your heart to the biblical truth of wealth to the biblical truth of why God wants you rich, to the biblical truth of why God wants you blessed, so you can be a blessing. Because when you are poor, you can have a lot of love in your heart, but you are very limited in your ability to reach out and bless others. You have to be in the overflow. You have to be in the overflow. And you know you need to be in the overflow to put, put somebody extra in a hotel room. Hallelujah. Have you ever noticed the prices of hotels? <laughs> you know, some of these hotels used to be cheap, like Motel 6. And that's a motel. That's not even a hotel. They used to be cheap, you know, like $29. They're, they're not $29 a night anymore. 
you have to be in the overflow to do things like this, to have all your own basic needs covered and reach out and be able to do this for others. You have to be in the overflow. That's Luke chapter 10, verses 35 and uh, going into 36. You know, uh, today you have the ministry called Samaritan's Purse, and it's run by uh, Billy Graham. He's the CEO. By, by the way, if you don't know, if you've been living on another planet, Bill, uh, it's, it's run by, excuse me, Franklin Graham. Franklin Graham, if you don't know, is the son of Billy Graham, the world-famous evangelist who has now gone on to be with the Lord. So Franklin Graham is the CEO today of Samaritan's Purse. You know what their annual budget is? This is a ministry that operates... Uh, out of the scriptural basis of Luke 10 verses 35 and 36, which is the ability to help Christians helping, reaching out medical supplies, uh, supplies with nations that are impacted with famine, uh, supplies for uh, impoverished areas that need rice and food and uh, you know on and on and on it goes even helping uh, uh, veterans who've been hurt in war and they're having marital problems and things like that uh, I tell you what it's amazing what Samaritan's Purse does you know their annual operating budget you know what it is for this year it's 665 million dollars praise the Lord there is one Christian ministry that actually operates a budget annually that's over $1 billion. But this one's in North Carolina, Samaritan's Purse, $600 million plus dollars. Praise the Lord. Now that's a good Samaritan. When you have a budget of $600 million, you can put some shoes on somebody's feet. Oh, Pastor Stephen, that ministry shouldn't have that much money. Oh, really? See, my, my friends, there are people that just don't think biblically they don't think biblically. But you'll notice that when there's problems in the earth, who responds? The church. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ is there on the scenes through all of these outreaches of ministry and outreaches of helps that go out there and do other things while all the sinners just sit back and look and maybe give a little something. But when they give it, they usually give it to be noticed. So they get like an award or something like that. But you'll never get any coverage on television of all of these major works that so many Christian ministries and outreaches are doing. The news media never says anything about it. But we're, uh, you know, th these are the first responders, the first ones there. Amazing. Let's continue on. These are people in the Bible, my friends, the Good Samaritan, you know, Mary, Joanna, Susanna, and many others. These are all people in the Bible. David, Solomon, Job, Hezekiah, Jehoshaphat, Uzziah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. I'm, I'm just hitting the surface. Notice how they're all blessed. They're all blessed. But somehow the world will tell you that you're not supposed to be. Yet biblically, these people all are. And these are all people being used by God, and they're all godly. They're all saints. They're all holy, and they're all they all have money. They all they all have money, and get, and God's the one that's blessing them with it. You're supposed to have it too. You're supposed to have it too. For the expansion of the kingdom, so that you can have your your life in order, you can have financial peace in your life, and that you can be a blessing. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let's continue on. Here's another one. Now, when evening had come, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, a rich man who himself 
had also become a disciple of Jesus. Oh, Pastor Stephen, rich people can't become disciples. Did you ever stop to think that rich people need Jesus just as much as the poor people need Jesus? Praise the Lord. There, need, there needs to be outreaches for all. Hallelujah. We shouldn't exclude people. There seems to be those in America that think that the rich are evil just because they're rich. But yet, if you didn't have the rich, nobody would have a job because these are rich corporations, rich individuals. And, you know, this is the engine that causes a nation to have prosperity. And God blesses. God blesses. Hallelujah. We need to take advantage of it. Hallelujah. And we need to let God bless us more and more. Praise the Lord. Now, when evening had come, there came a rich man from Arimathea. Oh, I want to read it again. It's in the Bible. No word in the Bible is there by mistake. Hallelujah. Hmm. Now, when evening had come, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who himself had also become a disciple of Jesus. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Don't take, don't, don't tell me that didn't take some guts to do that. That's bold to go before Pilate and ask for the body. That's pretty bold. Well, it says, then Pilate commanded the body to be given to him. When Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and laid it in his new tomb, which he had hewn out of the rock. Well, you know what? If you had a new tomb, you had some money. And if you had to hire men to, you know, chisel that out, that's going to cost some money. Oh, I know this, uh, you know, the limestone is soft. Okay. So this is not like we're working with granite, but nevertheless, it's still rock. And this is, this is something only somebody wealthy could do, but that's where Jesus was put. And you know what? You need to have wealth so that you have the ability to do what you are destined to do. And this man was destined to put the Messiah in his own tomb and that meant that he was a he was a landowner he had private property that he owned he had his own tomb and that my friends was used for the Lord Jesus Christ he was able to do something that only he could do because he had great wealth and i believe that there will be assignments for you too because as god generates prosperity and wealth in your life you will see oh this is, for, this is for a designated purpose. Amazing. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Here's another example. This is in the life of the Apostle Paul. And on the Sabbath day, we went out of the city to the riverside, where prayer was customarily made. And we sat down and spoke to the women who met there. Now a certain woman named Lydia heard us. She was a seller of purple from the city of Thyra Tyra. Now that would be in the, uh, the country that we know today uh, as Turkey. And it says that she worshiped God. Oh, okay. So that tells us that she was also a, a proselyte, somebody that was a Gentile sinner who had heard uh, the word of God taught under the Old Testament system. She became a convert to Judaism. And so she was in the eyes of the Jews. She was a worshiper of God. Okay. And it says the Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. And when she and her household were baptized, she begged us saying, 
If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. Oh, she had a house. She had a house. Come to my house and stay. So she persuaded us. She obviously was a very wealthy person. She was a businesswoman who sold luxury textiles that were dyed purple. It was only, it was only the wealthy elite who wore garments that were dyed purple or who had uh, clothing that was trimmed with purple. Or it was only the wealthy elite who had soft furnishings in their homes, such as a, a couch that would be covered over with a beautiful purple dyed garment. You had to be super wealthy to have a material like that. Uh, this dyed purple, uh, the, excuse me, this purple dye was actually uh, in order to uh, dye just one piece of cloth, like one piece of clothing would take 2,000 mollusk. So the dye was actually an extract from the shellfish from the mollusk, and it would take 2,000 of them just to dye a piece of cloth that one person only could wear. So this was a lot of work, a lot of time, and uh, so she was a wealthy person. She had a house. You know, stop and think about it. What if you were able to have hosted, like she did, Paul, Silas, and Timothy? They were all together at the same time. The Apostle Paul, Silas, and Timothy. What if you had the honor, the privilege of having those three men under your roof? Wow, what an honor. What a blessing. Praise the Lord. So uh, that's why that's why you need to be also blessed and prosperous so you can have your own house. So you can have your own house. I thought about adding some scriptures onto today's teaching about all the all the saints in the Bible who had their own homes. I don't have time. You wouldn't believe how many people, I'm talking even prophets who had their own homes. Samuel the prophet and all these others, even Jesus, when the disciples of John originally came to Jesus and, and, you know, basically very in, inquisitive and curious about him because John had said, he's this guy's the Messiah. They come up to Jesus and, uh, and they say, you know, where, where are you staying at? Where do you live at? He said, come and see. He did not say foxes, uh, have holes in the ground and uh, birds have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. He didn't say that. He said, come and see. He basically said, I'll show you exactly where my house is at. Wow. Some theologians even think that maybe he had two houses. Wow. Well, I didn't take the time to start listing all of the saints in the Bible who owned homes because it just goes on and on and on. Well, Pastor Stephen, we, we shouldn't own a house. That's, that's being worldly. Well, it, why did they all have them? Very, very interesting. You need to have your own house. You never know when you might have to host the next Paul, <laughs> the next apostle, right? Silas, the, you know, Silas was a very powerful prophet. And he also moved into the apostolic. And then, of course, you have Timothy, all three host all three at the same time. What a privilege, what an honor, but you can't do it if you don't have a house. Okay. So Lydia was also a person that was empowered by God to prosper. She had a heart for God. She got saved under the teaching of Paul and she is using the blessing that she has now the host, the great men of God. 
I believe if you're watching me and you're a wealthy person and you have a big home, you have a big house, you know, you got some extra square footage. It's a beautiful place. Your house needs to be open for Bible studies. You need to be hosting Bible studies. And if you can't teach it yourself, get a qualified, skilled, anointed man or woman of God over to your house to teach at least a once a month Bible study. That house is not just for you. Praise the Lord. It is yours. God has blessed you with it, but you also need to use it as a platform of influence for the preaching of the gospel. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. How about this one in the gospel of Luke chapter seven? Now, when he concluded all his sayings in the hearing of the people, he, Jesus entered Capernaum and a certain centurion servant who was dear to him was sick and ready to die. Okay. So this is the story of the, the centurion. So when he heard about Jesus, he sent elders of the Jews to him, pleading with him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they begged him earnestly saying that the one for whom he, he should do this was deserving. Watch this for he loves our nation and has built us a synagogue. Oh, Wow, don't tell me that didn't catch Jesus' attention. Anybody that has those two things on his heart, who's a centurion Gentile, okay? This again is somebody that obviously is a convert at that time to Judaism and knows that Jehovah God is the only true God and has these two attributes. Number one, loves Israel. If you don't love Israel, you really need to get that ironed out with the Lord because the Lord is Jewish. All 66 books of the Bible written by Jewish men. Hmm. 12 patriarchs, Jewish, Abraham, Isaac, uh, Israel, Jewish, but Jesus himself being Jewish. You know what? If you don't love Israel, you really need to have a little heart to heart talk with the Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Because those are his people. The Jewish people are the Lord's people. Those are his brothers and his sisters. Hmm. You love your family. Even if some of them are kooky, you still love your family. Even if your uncle acts funny, you still love your uncle. He's, he's your uncle. You love your mom and your dad. Okay? You love your brothers and your sisters. Even if you don't always agree, they're still your flesh and blood. And when Jesus looks at Israel, that's his flesh and blood. And he loves his family. He loves his brethren. Hallelujah. Now we are the church and of course we are grafted in. The Lord loves us. Praise God. But you have to understand this man, he, he understood several things that were very important. He had two great attributes. Number one, it's, it, it was said about him, he loves our nation. He loved the Jewish people and he was a centurion. But it says he loves our nation and he has built us a synagogue. He's built us a synagogue? That must have cost some money. Can we read between the lines a little bit? Oh, the centurions made some good money. Absolutely. They were, they were the high rank in the military. And so he's using his overflow. He's using his, his blessed provision of having made a lot of money. He's taking that money and he's funneling it over here so that a synagogue can be built. That's where the scriptures are taught. That's where the men would come and pray. That's where people would gather together. It was the center of, of community life. And he built them a synagogue. Wow. 
Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. You have to have wealth to be able to do that. I felt a very strong anointing, and I still feel it right now. I feel a supernatural quickening of the Holy Spirit that some of you are going to be so blessed and so empowered that when a need is presented for the building or the remodel of a Christian edifice, a church, a ministry center, or whatever it might be, you're going you're gonna to just have God pouring money into your life. You're going to be prospering like you've never prospered before, and you're going to see, oh, that's the purpose. That's why. That's why. So I can be a part of this. So you can literally build, perhaps not a synagogue like the centurion did, but you can literally be a part of really building something. And I think that's what's great about, king, about God's kingdom, is that we need physical assets. We need buildings. We, you know, we can't preach out in the rain. We can't run cameras underneath the tree with sap dripping down on top from the pine tree. We have to have buildings. We have to have structures. And these things last. These things represent also the Lord. Hallelujah. I, I love cathedrals. I, I know some people look at them and say, oh, that was a waste of money. No, it's not. It makes people happy. See, we can, we can bless the poor, and we can have our needs met, and we can still have extra. See, that's the thing with God. We can do it all. We don't, have, we don't have to have a poverty mentality and just shut it down and just do a little one thing. No, we can touch all kinds of things, praise God, because we're blessed. But I believe for some of you, you're going to see God bless you in a great way. And provision is going to begin to flow in an unprecedented way. And you'll be able to say, I helped build that. I, I put into that. I helped build that. And you know what? I'll be honest with you. Me and Kelly, we've done that with other ministries, with other ministers when they were raising up, you know, whether it was their headquarters or something like that. And they said, you know what? We're, we're building it or we're, we are, we, we've got a facility now. We're going to rebeautify it or whatever it is. And you know what? We put into that. We can go there and see those places that are physical, that are real. And we had a part in that makes you feel really good in your heart. Praise God, because those places are being used to continue to preach the gospel around the world. And they're prospering, and it's just, you know, we're living for the kingdom. We're living for the Lord. We're going to have rewards on the other side. We're investing. We're investors into eternity. Praise God. We're going to see it all again. Pastor Stephen, you're just giving it away. No, no, we're going to see it all again, multiplied many times over. You will see it. Absolutely. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. So this man literally loved the nation of Israel, and he built the synagogue. He built the church. Praise the Lord. Let's close with this, Revelation 5, 11, and 12. Then I looked, and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice. Now, don't, don't skip past this. Listen to what they were saying. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Now, that the Lamb is Jesus. Worthy is Jesus, the Lamb who was slain, to receive power. Yes, let's give the Lord power and riches, and wisdom. Wait a minute, Pastor Steve, what did you just say? 
it says worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches oh pastor Stephen Jesus doesn't want no riches Jesus just an old barefoot preacher uh, he just walking around with old wore out clothes looking for a sandwich handout somebody just give him you know a sack lunch that's all he you know no no worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing hallelujah look at the angels in this category of the book of revelation with with gold bands going across their chest jesus with a gold band going across his chest mm. some people get upset if the preacher wears a gold ring he shouldn't be wearing that that's gold nope Hallelujah. We're going to walk on streets of gold. Hallelujah. And Jesus wears a gold band that goes completely across his chest. Praise the Lord. He is worthy to receive power and riches. Praise the Lord. He's your elder brother. He's your savior. He's your redeemer. He's your Lord. Glory to God. And you are in Christ. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You are worthy because he is worthy. If he is worthy to, to receive riches, you also are worthy because you are in him. So the blessing flows from the father through the son to you because you are in Christ. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Don't be ashamed or embarrassed of the blessings of the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. The anointing's falling right now. The anointing is falling. God's going to take you there. He's going to take you into a place. He's going to take you into a place of great prosperity, of great blessing. We're going to come into this time of the Feast of Tabernacles, where there are going to be so many souls coming into the kingdom of God. It is the great end time harvest. And we're going to be as a ministry preaching the gospel on every television format, internet, everywhere, we're just taking it everywhere. And every every platform of expression, printing, everything. The you know the 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 uh, the printed page, all types of things. Praise God. Hallelujah, but it takes finances to do that. So God God is going to be blessing his people greatly. But look, look you've got to be open to it. All we've done is touch a few there's so many. We don't even have time in one setting. We have just touched a few people who walked in the covenant and they were all wealthy. We've just touched a few people and you see that they were wealthy. You see the centurion building a synagogue, building a church building. Stop and think about that. May you be that, imper that person. May you be that person that when the pastor says it's time to build the church, that, that when the others frown, you jump and say, I'm ready. I've got, I've got it. I've got, I'm ready to, I'm ready to make my donation. I've got it. When he says it's time for the windows or time for the doors, you jump and say, I've got it. I'm on it. And you watch, you will be a leader. And what you do will cause others to respond. It will cause other others to respond. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Be bold, be brave. Know who you are in the Lord. Praise God and receive the blessing. It will make you rich. Get ready for it. It will make you 
rich walk close with the Lord it says about Isaiah as long as he sought the Lord the Lord made him prosper and God wasn't one bit embarrassed or apologized to do it God's making him prosper mm. and God's loving it hallelujah you're going to see the heavenly father act in your life as a father you're going to see his blessings in your life poured out abundantly keep seeking the Lord with all of your heart let the word decide what you believe let the word form your pattern of thinking glory to God don't let the world try to taint your thought life and make you think you're not supposed to be blessed the devil laughs his head off when uh, Christians are actually foolish enough to believe that because he knows he's, he's robbing and ripping them off of their destiny. He's, he's depowering them so that they cannot make an impact. And he loves it. But you're too smart for that because you know what the word says. Praise God. Father, we thank you. Your word says it. Your word settles it. We believe it. We praise you for it. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. It is written. We believe it. Thank you, Father God, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, but Pastor Stephen, there has been some that have abused it. There's been people that have abused everything under the sun. Anything good that God has given has been abused. People abuse. You can abuse exercise. You can go to the gym too much. You can abuse food. Instead of eating two donuts, you ate You ate eight. You can, you can abuse everything. You can abuse flowers. You, you can abuse anything. You can abuse a nice bed. You sleep in it too long. You, you can abuse anything. It, but even prosperity can be abused. But my friends, just because somebody else abused something doesn't mean that there's still not a blessing in it. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So we, we cherish the blessings of God. We hold dearly the blessings of the Lord because they are very, very valuable. And we do not diminish them at all. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Amen. Let's take communion together today. Grab some unleavened bread and some grape juice. Praise the Lord. I know that today's message was a little bit longer than normal, but I know also that as you hear the word, the word builds faith. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing what? The news? Oh, no, no. That'll put you in fear. Faith comes by hearing the word. And when you hear the word, you get so strong and you get so convinced that it's yours and it's going to happen in your life. So keep it coming. Keep it coming. Praise God. Hallelujah. The blessings are coming. Healing is coming. Joy is coming. Overflow is coming. Get ready. Live for the Lord. Get as close to the Lord as you can. Live your life as clean as you can. Walk as close to the Lord as you can. Because the overflow is coming. Praise God. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for the bread and the juice. We bless it. We consecrate it. This is now the flesh and the blood of Jesus, our Savior. We thank you, Father God, that you have called us to flourish and to prosper in every area that includes our finances we thank you father that we predetermine even now determine to walk in humility and love and sweetness and be a blessing 
Hallelujah. We thank you, Father. We give you praise. We thank you that your blessings are coming in mighty, mighty ways. Father, we receive now the body of Jesus. We thank you that all of this is possible because of the covenant, because of what Jesus did for us. And it's sealed with an oath. It's sealed with the promise. And we thank you that you are not a man that you should lie. You cannot lie. And Father, we have seen a panorama today of the scriptures revealing that so many of your people walked in covenant blessing, financial covenant blessing. And there's a purpose for it. There's a purpose for it that we might be blessed so that we can be a blessing. So Father, we thank you as we receive the body of Christ, we receive empowerment to prosper in Jesus name. Amen. Let's receive now. I hear, I hear the Holy Spirit saying, you're going to a new level. Get ready right now. Get ready. You're going to a new level. Praise the Lord. You're going to a new level. It's like a bicycle. When you shift the gears, uh, you can shift as high as you can, and it, it goes to a bigger sprocket. I, I see new gears now being given. You're going to have a new sprocket. You're going to be able to go faster. This, this, is, this big thing is going to create such power, and it's going to begin to turn, and you're going to be going faster than you've ever gone before. Praise the Lord. You're going to a new level. Praise God. Praise God. And you'll be able to jump up. And you'll be, you'll be able to respond. I believe there's some centurions out there. You're going to be a person that's going to build a synagogue. You're going to, you're going to pay it off. You, you've got so much money coming in that you can, you can build a synagogue. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now, in, in a sense, what I'm saying, you could raise, raise up a church building. You can pay it off. The windows, the doors, the carpet, whatever is needed next. You know, the pastor says, okay, it's now it's time for the flooring. Okay, I've got it. Here it is. Go buy it. Glory to God. Now say yes. Say yes. Praise God. Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. Father, transform our thinking. Let all of our thoughts be in agreement and in harmony with Scripture. We thank you. We believe it. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Amen. Let's drink the blood of Christ. Praise the Lord. My friends, time is short. Let us live all out for the Lord. Hearts open wide for the Lord. Not holding anything back. Give, and it shall be given back to you. Good measure. Press down. Shaken together. Running over running over. That's the overflow running over. Shall men give into your bosom? You're going to be given a great job. You're going to be given an increase. You're going to be given a new position. You're going to be given a large contract. You're going to be given something unexpected. It's going to come. It's going to be given to you. Overflow shall be given into your bosom. Shaking together, press down, running over, running over, running over. Get into the running over mentality. It's biblical. It's scriptural. Jesus himself said it. That's Luke 638 that I'm speaking to you. Hallelujah. Receive the overflow. Receive the overflow. Praise God. It's coming. It's coming. Thank you, Father. 
Thank you, Father. According to your faith, be it unto you. That's why you need to understand it's biblical and that you actually have faith for it. It's coming. And I think for many of you, the package that God is sending is even larger than what you've thought. Let it come. Let it come. Let it come. Receive. Hallelujah. And give God the praise. Acknowledge God as the source of your blessing because he is. Amen. And keep seeking him and it'll just keep flowing. It'll just keep flowing. It'll keep flowing. A new level of favor is now coming into your life. A new level of favor. Hallelujah. What brings the favor of God? When you and God agree, when you and God get on the same page, God's like, now I can work with him. He's thinking like I'm thinking. She has my heart. Now I can work with them. Okay. Favor. A new level of favor is flowing in your life because you've come into a higher level of understanding. Receive. God's breaking debts off right now. There's a debt anointing. Uh, uh, for debt cancellation. There's an anointing for debt cancellation flowing right now. Receive, receive. I call your bills paid. I call your debts paid off for the glory, for the glory of God. Tell people it was the Lord that helped you do it. Praise God. It's the Lord working, the Lord working now. Your struggles end suddenly. I say they end now. In the name of Jesus, receive. Receive. Things that have been tied up or being released now. Praise God. Praise God. Meditate the word. Meditate the word day and night and seek the Lord. Praise God because your prosperity is rooted in him. Now Father we give you all the praise. We thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. And amen. My friends thanks for watching. I'll see you back next time. Bye bye. For more information about the ministry of Apostle Stephen Brooks, visit our website at stephenbrooks.org.